I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House to our Meet the Artist program this evening, which is um, Friday, February 3rd in 2017. And we are launched into the second weekend of the repertory season. All of a sudden, it feels like it's going by very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, of course, many of you are familiar with our um, systems here, but uh, this and our other interviews and programs are recorded for podcast, and you, of course, are referred to the company website where uh, you will find that it's beautifully redesigned, and if you go to explore and then programs, you'll find what's going on, and you will also find links to the podcasts from previous uh, interviews and programs. I want to call your attention also especially to an upcoming uh, audience engagement program, Ballet 201, which starts at the end of this month. Uh, it's a three-course or a three-session course. Uh, we're experimenting with a little bit of a different way of uh, presenting some behind-the-scenes information, and this one focuses on classical ballet. If you look ahead to Ballet 202, which happens actually later in the summer, we'll be talking about contemporary work and the creation of a new ballet. Um, let's see, all of that said, I think, again, I'd like to just welcome you to this evening and to dive in. It's my pleasure to be in conversation this evening with company soloist, Julia Rowe. Hi. Welcome, and thank you. Um, it, I hope you noticed it rolled off the tongue to say company soloist, and so I don't know if this is, if the novelty is wearing off, but Julia was, uh, is a newly appointed soloist this season, and uh, we are, of course, Many of us will just be delighted to be enjoying that. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about that, um, the glamour of being a soloist. I think there's something about uh, the hierarchy, that it's very ancient, very time-honored. It's probably a little different in different companies. In some of the old European companies, it's rigid, very military, if you are um, a core dancer, you may not dance a solo part. In this company, it's very, very different. And we saw you dance many featured roles before this official appointment. So talk to us a little bit about what it really means, maybe technically. Um, well, one of the beautiful things about San Francisco Ballet, as you've mentioned, is that um, in the corps de ballet, you have the opportunity to dance uh, any role that suits you. Um, choreographers are allowed to choose from the whole company um, when casting a ballet. Um, so I did get the chance to um, do roles that weren't strictly uh, corps de ballet roles while in the corps de ballet, but now that my title is soloist, um, I kind of have the responsibility to um, really uh, dive in and only focus on uh, more challenging um, roles. 
So um, I, I guess the biggest difference between being in the corps de ballet and being a soloist is that um, I now have the responsibility to um, develop my artistry. You know, it's, it's a privilege and a responsibility, but... Um, Interesting that you jumped at the word responsibility. I was going to ask what, if you felt that, and clearly you do. Um, the, um, you, you mentioned that as a core dancer, you would often be able to perform featured roles. When you have this designation, <clears throat> and the next ballet coming down the pike is Swan Lake, do you have an expectation that you will maybe still have to perform in the corps de ballet, or is that really not going to be expected of you? Well, it, it really depends. Um, for things like the Nutcracker, um, obviously this is my first season not doing snow and flowers. <laughs> wow. Which <laughs> made my holiday very different, um, <laughs> to be honest. But I think for something like Swan Lake, there are soloist roles that, like, um, I, I'm, and I don't know casting at all, but I know that um, soloists have been asked to do, like, signets or um, I, big swans. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be a big swan because my height kind of limits my casting in that arena. But um, You've done the signets, though, haven't you? I have. I did that last season. And then in the third act, there are um, significant solo parts. Right. And right. it seems to me I've, we've seen you in um, Neapolitan? Maybe? Yes, I did Neapolitan. Um, I did the first act pas de trois as well. So, um, over the last three years, three seasons? This is my fourth, yes. This is your fourth season. Um, we've seen you in classical roles, and I'm thinking um, Willie's, you did yeah. a solo Willie. We've seen you do, as you said, the pas de trois, mm -hmm. the pas de sank in um, Giselle. Yep. Uh, we've seen, let's see, Vertiginous Thrill of Exactitude, which is... That kind of bridges the gap between classical right. and contemporary. True. Um, but then we've seen you do many contemporary pieces as well. Right. So the next obvious question is, how do you respond to the two different styles um, in terms of enjoyment or challenge? Well, uh, my training obviously was classical. So um, the vocabulary is the same. Um, but when you work with a living choreographer, um, there's a lot more room for interpretation, which I enjoy. And there's uh, kind of it, a feeling of limitless opportunity to be able to use classical vocabulary to maybe express something new. Um, I especially enjoy working with uh, choreographers who have a very um, clear vision, which I f feel like we're privileged to to do here. Uh, we get a lot of really amazing um, contemporary choreographers, and I feel like we um, were able to kind of be on the forefront of all of that. This is one of those questions that then branches out into another direction as well. Um, when you are learning works, um, either the classical ones or <clears throat> in a classical style, or in a more contemporary style. Um, 
how do you enjoy particularly um, working in a cast that is creating or with the, with the cast that is creating new work as opposed to learning established roles? So when you're in the room with a choreographer who's coming up with something new and dancers who are coming up with something new, um, there's an incredible energy and excitement um, and it's also incredibly scary. Um, it, it's fast paced, it's, um, you have to put your heart and soul into it every day, all day, or the product isn't going to be the best it can be, you know. Um, also my coworkers are incredibly talented and being in the room with them and seeing you know, what the talented choreographer is coming up with and then what my coworkers are doing with that information that they've been given is a, can be overwhelming, but mostly it's just really inspiring. Well, you have been fortunate over the last couple of years to be in works that were, well, several years now. You've been in works that have been created. Yeah. We could probably list the whole repertoire of them. On the front burner, um, Fragile Vessels, which has been in this last couple of weeks, and then tonight's work, Pop Hearts, Pop Hearts yeah. which was, for all intents and purposes, a world premiere uh, yeah. last year, and you were in the first <laughs> cast for that. Yes. So, um, I don't know, pick one to uh, start <laughs> talking about. I think, um, how many of you have seen program one? <laughs> Okay, so oh. so you can talk a little bit about Bubenicek and, and Fragile Vessels. Okay, um, that process was different for me. Um, uh, Yerji Bubenicek uh, danced mostly at the Hamburg Ballet and uh, worked with John Neumeyer. Um, his, he is an incredibly gifted dancer himself so he could demonstrate and had this amazing physicality and was asking the dancers to do all of this amazingly difficult um, choreography that he made look easy and simple and beautiful and so um, there were I mean there are a number of dancers in this company who who make the difficult look easy, but um, it was, I think the challenge with, with them, with working with um, Yerji as well as his brother Otto, who did a lot of the, um, he, I think he did the scenic design and he was also kind of a choreographic assistant. Um, working with them was a challenge because not only were they requiring us to do all of these physically demanding things. They wanted us to have some sort of artistry and emotion um, with it without having a clear narrative. Right, and the piece is, the music is the Rachmaninoff. Oh, yes. Which is... Gorgeous. Just sit back, close your eyes and listen and you've done it. Yeah. Um, and then here's all this movement going on. Yeah. So I imagine that would have been a very um, just sensorily very full experience. It is. And I mean, if, if you've seen the ballet, you know that it is a jam-packed piece. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of movement. There's, there's a lot to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the music kind of demands that sort of, that sort of experience. Mm-hmm. So then the other um, work that is in rotation right now and that you are actually you're very fortunate because you'll see Julia perform in Pop Hearts this evening. Yep. We're very lucky that uh, it's late in the evening, so she has plenty of time to go warm up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to just jump in there and say doing a William Forsyth work probably requires being really well warmed up. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, talk, about, um, talk about William Forsyth. Ah, uh, wow. Where to start? Um, First of all, I, from the moment that he walks into the room, you're immediately aware that he's a genius. Um, he has this ability to look at a dancer and figure out exactly why they're doing what they're doing and how to motivate them, kind of instantaneously, and it's kind of, it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, but I think his, his passion for dance and dancers is overwhelming and beautiful. Um, he has this way of explaining what he wants that is very clear and also leaves you room to interpret, which is, um, which is different because some choreographers come into the room and have a very specific idea of exactly what they want and then they choose dancers who can fit that mold. Um, But Forsyth comes into a room and sees the material that he's given, he sees the dancers, and then he tries to use the dancers' unique talents to kind of create something. So it's, it's definitely a, a more of a collaborative process, um, which I really, really enjoyed. It was the first time I, I really worked in that kind of capacity. And William Forsyth is one of the, we can almost call him senior. He is, yeah. has been a producing master for 50 years. Yeah. And he's still producing new works. Um, his, he has rewritten or certainly contributed heavily to the vocabulary. Definitely. Um, always very classically grounded. Um, he, that's where he starts. Speaking of which, um, the work that you did a couple of years ago, Vertiginous Thrill, yeah. um, as you said, bridges that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, was that your first experience working with Forsyth? Um, working with him... Um, directly, yes. I had done a piece of his called The Second Detail um, when I danced at Oregon Ballet Theater before I came here. Um, but uh, working on vertige, as you call it, because um, the vertiginous thrill of exactitude is kind of a mouthful to say. Um, so Jump through it. <laughs> working... Uh, working with the man directly, um, we had, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes in the studio with him. And I remember one of the ballet masters telling me that my dancing changed completely 
in, in 45 minutes. They're like, what did, what did he say to you? And I'm like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> but he, he, he really does, he really is one of the best coaches and most passionate choreographers I've ever encountered. Wrapping up a little bit about um, pop hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting whole journey for that work. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about how you walked into the room thinking you were going to learn a <laughs> previously done ballet and found out you were going to be doing a new one. Well, we did learn the whole ballet um, as it was set on the Paris Opera. And then he came and changed it all. <laughs> Actually, he didn't change it all, but he changed most of it um, to better suit you know, the dancers he had in front of him, as he is likely to do. Um, and then he kept changing it because he, he, that's what he does. Um, so pretty much up until, I don't know, we took, we took this on tour to LA and he was changing it right before the curtain went up. <laughs> Which is simultaneously exciting and frustrating and scary and beautiful. And the music is not exactly hummable. You know, after listening to it so many times, you kind of start humming it, but it, not quite. <laughs> yeah, it's not your 888. No, it's, it's, eight. it's not in even fours for sure. Um, I know that uh, sort of there's a disclaimer that you are working on lots of ballets looking ahead over the next six programs. Yeah. And um, everybody learns lots of roles and you don't necessarily yeah. get to do them all. But um, what kinds of things are you working on that we might look forward to seeing you in down the season? Well, right now we're, we've started rehearsals for Frankenstein. Um, I'm learning a character called Justine who, um, it's, it's a fairly large acting role, which I'm excited to do, because I haven't had, um, I mean, being in the corps de ballet, you have a limited opportunity to um, kind of hone your acting skills, so I'm excited to, to branch out. Uh, there's also a lot of dancing involved. It's, it's not only an acting role, but it is, it's definitely a, a, a dramatic, the whole ballet is very dramatic, um, in a word, yeah. <laughs> um, more about that in a minute. Um, let's see, what else is coming? Uh, Swan Lake. Swan Lake. Um, we talked a little bit about that. There's also um, Miles Thatcher's new piece, uh -huh. um, which I, I learned. I'm not in the first cast, but hopefully I'll get a chance to do uh, that. What about the Balanchine program? Do you enjoy the Balanchine classics? I love Balanchine ballets. Mm -hmm. um, I spent uh, a lot of time doing them in school, mm -hmm. um, but actually I'm not in any this year. Wow. Because yeah. uh, it's just casting diamonds tends to be the taller women, and mm -hmm. Prodigal Son doesn't have very many women. And <laughs> Three, maybe. I yeah, think. <laughs> and it, it's yeah. it's an unfortunate um, side effect of being a soloist is you kind of get promoted out of performance opportunities sometimes. But I we've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, of course, Cinderella, which Cinderella has um, everybody doing everything. I actually, when we took it on tour to D.C. this past October, 
I got the chance to premiere uh, one of the stepsisters, which was a lot of fun. So, so speaking of acting parts. Right. It's a different kind of acting, though. It, it's a little bit more, um, a little bit cheesier, a little bit more slapstick. But um, I, I played the, um, the sweet sister. So I got to wear glasses on stage, which was a lot of fun. Well, I um, hope that you'll be willing to answer some questions from our audience. Of course. For those of you who came in after we started, we're talking with soloist Julia Rowe. And I know that there are many, many things we haven't even started to cover. So offer some questions for her. Sure. Well, um, let me summarize the question. Um, our audience member is making a wonderful, optimistic assumption <laughs> that you will progress from soloist to principal. Um, as a soloist, even, you do have the opportunity to work with partners, and she's asking about um, partnering, and what's the difference between a good partner and an exceptional partner? Um, communication. Um, I've had the opportunity to dance with lots of very experienced and inexperienced partners here, and I would say that all of them have been great, but what I especially appreciate is when a partner um, is willing to communicate with you both physically and verbally, and it's incredibly um, calming and great to be on stage with a partner who is in it with you, you know, so. Great, thank you, it's a good question. Uh, somebody else with a question, yes. This is one of my favorite questions. How do dancers remember the steps? And it's sometimes very complicated. And is it part of your nervous system? Is it natural? Is it trained? You take it. It is most definitely not natural for me. Um, but it's, it's been many years of trial and error to figure out how I can retain choreography. Um, but... I think practice is mostly key. You know, we spend six hours a day or more dancing. So um, I, uh, you know, I, I had a friend who used to write down all of her choreography, and she found that that helped. I go through my choreography before I go to bed at night. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like memorizing anything. It's just repetition, really. Oh, 100% mental and physical. Yeah. If I could just add, students are taught from the first class to, and it's very repetitive, to imprint it, and yeah. it becomes muscle memory. And so, yes, when you're learning 
what is it, 25 ballets in a six month period. Mm -hmm. That's hugely challenging, but there's been groundwork laid yeah. through all those years of your being a student. And every, every class has an element of, uh, you have to learn combinations of steps um, and then do them right after. So that, that synthesis of watching, remembering, and then doing um, is something that we do every day. So you've, you've trained those pathways. Yes. <laughs> Neural pathways. The, the grooves in the brain are <laughs> in there. A um, couple more questions. Nice question. Would you compare the culture of different companies, specifically that you've danced with, but perhaps you could extrapolate generally? Well, um, the first company I danced with was Oregon Ballet Theater, and it was about a third of the size of SFB. Um, so that kind of led to a much more intimate kind of uh, experience. But at SFB, I feel like we have a nice combination of uh, the one big happy family kind of feeling. And then also, um, it's, it's big enough that you kind of have the space to develop your own artistry. Um, in, in a company like San Francisco, um, you're kind of, there's not, as much individual attention given to each dancer, which at first can seem a little distant, but actually it ends up being good for the dancer because it gives them the opportunity to decide what kind of artist they want to be. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's the beauty of, of this organization actually, is that we're a group of artists as opposed to um, just being dancers. That's nicely put, thank you. Um, I'm thinking there are just three companies in this country that are this big. Yeah. New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater and San Francisco Ballet. Yeah. <clears throat> there are many companies that are probably under 50 dancers. Yeah. Um, Oregon Ballet Theater had about 25 to 30 while I was there. And I think um, Pacific Northwest Ballet has 40-some. Yeah. And I think Ballet West has about 40. Mm, so Houston Ballet is about that size yeah. as well. So it's um, automatically a different culture. Yeah. Like small towns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> becoming larger exactly. towns. Exactly. Oh. Um, Thank you. Interesting question. Um, and one more question. The lucky person. Um, I'm going to go with here, sorry. <laughs> this is a very technical question. <laughs> when it says promoted to soloist in 2016, what did that actually mean? Well, that meant that after class one day in 2016, Helgi told me I was going to be a soloist. 
So you sign your contracts and they start, what, July 1st? Yeah, yeah. So the dancers began rehearsing when the new contract started, and so that would technically be the beginning of your term as a soloist. Right, right. Um, so we, we performed in Iceland this summer and then in, um, in D.C., and then we did the Nutcracker. So um, I was a, technically a soloist for all of those uh, performances, even though my first home season as a soloist is actually 2017. Well, we've come to the end of our time, and I want to reiterate, I've been having a lovely conversation with Julia Rowe. Uh, we hope that you will, again, refer to our website, refer to your program book for um, opportunities down the way for other um, exploring possibilities about what's going on at the ballet. And I know you will enjoy this evening's performance and look for Julia in Pop Hearts. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank you.